Oh dear. You can well you can hear me very well because of my deep, deep, deep voice. Deep voice. They call me deep voice, Tommy. We're gonna be here with I you. Literally got a glass of uh, a hot cup of honey and lemon because my voice is fucked. So silky smooth. So silky smooth. Welcome to the Ongast Nights. <laughs> We're here with you on the midnight shift. We're not doing after day dark. Because that's when we get mean. <laughs> I'm cast after dark. After dark. Where we say things that you wish you could. Hello and welcome to the Oncast. My name is Dom. As one half of the Oncast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Yep. So although we live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots, occasionally we go and see something that's none of these. Today, we went to go and see Le Mans 66, otherwise known as Ford vs. Ferrari, starring Matt Damon, Christian Bale, and a lot of very pretty cars. Yeah, lots, lots of very pretty, pretty cars. So yeah, this isn't our usual fare, but we've had this has been on our radar for a while, particularly with you, because you are a petrol head, would yeah. you say? Yeah. You like your cars. Fucking love cars. Yeah. And I don't think there's a better... I don't honestly think there's a better origin story of a car than this. Okay. Because as it's literally an entire film is, is framed around the story of how the Ford GT 40, as it is at that point, came into existence. So, um, if, oh, yeah. So basically, this film is about the uh, genesis of the Ford GT 40 and how that came into be through the Le Mans race. In 1966. To to explain the plot is to explain the story. So I'm going to give you a very, very brief mm. overview. It's, it's essentially how it, it went from Ford <laughs> trying to buy Ferrari and then um, how it all got a bit messy in between. Some really, really important figures in motor racing history got involved. And a lot of chaos ensued, and then for four years, Ford dominated Le Mans. That's how it worked. So, long story short, they win. It's not Rocky. Mm. Um, but it's about everything that happens in between. Yeah. Which is really interesting, actually, because this is a very, very well-known story in, like, motor racing history mm. and in, like, car circles as well, yeah. because, um, like, Ken Miles, played by Christian Bale, is like a legendary figure. I can only apologise about my voice. He's literally a legendary figure in motor racing history, as is Carroll Shelby, especially like if you've heard of the AC Cobra, it's Carroll Shelby. If you've seen a Cobra, it's probably a kit car from a Shelby. You like the Ford Mustang. The Shelby Mustang from Gone in 60 Seconds was designed by Carroll Shelby. This is a guy that the most important cards in American history he's been involved with and Ken Miles, along with Ford, along with Lee, uh, Carol Shelby, came together for this generation-busting, Ferrari-beating weapon of race destruction. And, uh, yeah, it's it's madness. It really is. Like, how it came to be is very of the time. Yeah. But also, it's... One of those things that kind of has to be seen to believe, and like this, this plays a little bit fast and loose with some of the stuff. Yeah, last thing I, I, because I went into this knowing nothing. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm not a massive, you know, I'm not massively into my cars or anything like that. I know a little bit, but not, I didn't know anything about 
Ken uh, Miles or or Shelby or any of uh-huh. that. I knew nothing about the story. I just went in mm-hmm. completely cold. I did that on purpose because again, I feel like I got more out of it not knowing where it was going. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah, that's always like there, when a, a film like this is really well made. It doesn't matter what the sport is. It doesn't matter what the. Yeah. It's just you get involved in it, and it reminds me a lot of um, Rush in the same way. Yeah, Rush was a really good film, even if you know nothing about mm-hmm. um, Forty What. And this is exactly the same. Yeah, um, I feel like they because to me, like it's interesting that the, from you pitched it now and said it's the origin story of a car. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't think of it like that, but no. now you've said it, it makes sense. But for me, it was a story of the two guys. Yeah, and their story and and how they came to yeah. get both be on that track on that day. And that and the car was just the bit in the middle. Whereas for you, it's the origin story of the car itself, which is the driving force of it. And that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, um, and it is rightfully so. It is the story about you know Ken and Carol. Yeah, as um, well as like Lee Hardcocker and Henry and everybody else that was involved. But um, but yeah, like some of the stuff that I would say is that um, this has kind of got a lot for most people. Yeah. Maybe not so much. There's one woman in this film. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got to the end and I was like, there was one woman in there. Yeah, literally, it's, it's Kemal's wife. Yeah. That's it. And there's this inexplicably English family living in California. Yeah. Why we, they're all so English, I don't know. Oh, yeah, um, they were all brummy as fuck. Yeah, like, well, yeah well, he, he did a brummy accent throughout yeah. the whole thing. And yeah, I think the main, like for me, one of the main, like much as. The cars, like the cars, are amazing. Yeah, and they're amazing to look at. And there were moments throughout it where there was some noises coming from you when the car would turn <laughs> up on screen. <laughs> I can only, like, oh, like that just yeah, oh, oh. like are you alright over there? Like, um, and there are little jokes in there for petrol heads as well. Like when um, the first point that um, when they go to the '65 Mustang reveal, yeah, and Ken makes a joke about the inline six in it, yeah, which is something that was true. Yeah, they did first produce it with an inline six, and they were, and then people were like, "That's silly." Yeah, why have you got a straight in there and not yeah. a V engine that you should do? Yeah, because it's really heavy. I mean, yeah, and there were a couple of moments like that where I did feel like the techno babble sort of just went over my head a little bit. Yeah, and it lost me, but I could tell from like because we can tell like there was a group of guys who were sat in the cinema with us who were similar to yourself. I think they had mm. they obviously had some knowledge. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I understood that reference. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, something about revs. I don't know. Yeah. Like, There's do, a do, lot. Uh, does yeah. it have a cup holder? What colour is it? Like, <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> also, like, that, well, one of the things that you say about, like, the colours, like, the um, the colours are particularly important to the car. Yeah. Because um, depending on the colour of the car, it depends on the year that it was run. Mm. And depending, uh, and like a lot of them back then, they, so they were run by Ford, but there were three cars out there. Mm. Four cars, I think. Yeah. There was, uh, uh, there might be more actually, because there might have been the Ford primary team, but then there were other people running Ford GT40s as well. Yeah. Um, But also, but yeah, it's, anyway, there's a lot in there for car guys. Yeah. But then it's talking about something that's fairly well understood, which is like Ferrari this sort of powerhouse of yeah. motor racing and are definitively one of the most well-known motor racing companies in the world. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I was slightly disappointed by. I expected it, but it was 
because originally, like the original title that is being released as in the states is Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, here it's called Le Mans sixty six. Yeah, why that is? That's some licensing thing to do with Ferrari, I imagine. I think it's because honestly, in America, Le Mans is so it's just not that well known. No, yeah, I guess so. Um, but the thing with it is, is that. I feel like Ferrari themselves get short shrift. Like, they're not really in it. Like, they're just cartoon sort of villains in the background. Yeah. And it will be interesting to see from their point of view the whole thing. Yeah. Like, even to a point where there are scenes, like, where they're talking in Italian and they don't put subtitles on there. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't even know what's being said now. Yeah. I'm just an angry Italian man. Like, ah, kabasa, kabasa, kabasa. Like, they may as well be little, little pit droids from fucking Star Wars. They, <laughs> may, well, that's the thing. Like, they, they were literally mustache. Twelves away from being yeah. villains, and that, and I feel like, and there is the Americanization of it, and like there's one particular scene where you show me something, you wrote something down on your phone, where they were talking about the, the, oh, yeah. the Ford, Ford being used in the war, yeah, and Henry Ford and what he did in the war, <laughs> and they sort of omitted something, which is kind of a big deal. Um, so uh, yeah, little factoid is I can't remember. I think it's Henry Ford Senior mm. is the only man in American history. To be awarded the Nazi Iron Cross. Yeah. So, but then, the, then there's a line that's followed up by Henry Ford Jr., yeah. Henry Ford II, yeah. uh, where he talks about how it wasn't wasn't the, it wasn't the army that won the war; it was Ford. And you're like, eh, so I don't know if that guy would have said that. Yeah. Not not with you know what his, what his old man did. But at the same time, like one of the things that they do that's quite interesting is that they um, portray Henry Ford in a fairly sympathetic light because he was this massive, amazing figure. Mm. He was this. Um, do you mean Henry the the original Henry Ford? Not the no Henry no. Ford uh, two. Right, was this yeah. really, really um, like amazing figure? He revolutionised the industry. Um, interestingly. A little side fact. Uh, the Ford factory, the Ford plant that we saw in Detroit, is where the origin of the term OK comes from. OK. Right. There was a chap that worked on the line that was in charge of like quality assurance and would sign everything off. And I think... You might have to factor this. I might be completely wrong, but I think his name was something like Otto Kimler. Right. And he would sign everything OK. <laughs> right, and okay. So people would say, has it been OK'd? Right. So and that's where the term came from. It okay. spun off from there. Um, that's cool. I but know. he was, yeah, he was this big character that was well known for shutting down the plant and having these big like speeches. Moments, yeah, and uh, yeah, well, they weren't so much rousing. A lot of people were pretty fed up because yeah. they were trying to work, yeah. and then they would have to stay on late. But um, yeah, they're a lot more sympathetic with him. And then there's the, uh, the, point, know, the yeah. joke that you see in the trailer. Yeah. Well, well, I say, yeah, I'd say. Not not sympathetic. They're a lot more unbiased than I thought they would be. I don't know. He seems like a bit of an ass. Like, like <laughs> I thought they were going to do him as like this big, really awful villain. But then they have that moment that you see in the trailer where he cries. Yeah. Big reveal. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that where is he cries, and then you yeah. actually see the point where he's saying like, "I wish my father could have seen this." Yeah. I really wish he could. Yeah, that's a, that's the point actually. That's all when that. It went in a different direction. Like it started off with like the way they play it in the trailer is that it's playing for laughs. Yeah. In the context of the whole scene is actually, yeah, like you say, it's more sympathetic. Yeah. Um they do have the the obligatory corporate villain who is um yeah. Josh Lucas. 
poor bloke. I swear he's been playing that same role for the last <laughs> 20 years. And he just comes out of retirement every now and then to do it. And he's just, Sometimes he does flight. Yeah. Well, some stealth. Stealth. Sorry. Yeah, he does stealth. Um, so, yeah, Josh Lucas is still a thing, apparently. He's still alive. Um, and, yep. and he's just this corporate suck up that he's just like, it's like I hope you have you look great sir you look great out there did you have a good supper sir and he's like trying to undermine because that's the thing I don't feel like Ford versus Ferrari is the right term for this because it's really an internal battle within Ford yeah. and it's the us versus them it's mm-hmm. the suits versus the guys on the track who yeah. are you know Christine Bale and um, Matt, Damon. Matt Damon and yeah I mean those two fuck me they're both so good in this yeah Bale in particular. Bale was excellent. Bale is the this. heart and soul of the whole thing. Yeah. He fucking nails it. Like, it's not showy. He's quite sort of, I don't know, he's just, he's just charming. And he plays it really straight and he plays yeah. it really calm. Yeah. He never really, like, he, yeah, he just, he just, I don't know, he fucking embodies this guy and he's great. Yeah. He's so good to watch. Um, and but it feels strange how immediately comforted you are by just someone being as comfortable and straight talking with a Brummie accent as Bale is in this. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a British thing. I don't know if Americans will find it grating or something. Well, I don't know if they'll understand what he's saying. <laughs> or, yeah, exactly what he's saying or whether it's going to be subtitled over there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like you say, it's an amazing like performance that he puts in. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's not like a... It's not an Oscar-winning performance. It's not a, you know... He doesn't have a big, like, oh, this is my Oscar scene that I'm going to submit. Do you know what I mean? No. There's none of that. It's just a really solid. But they they let it... There are certain scenes, like there's one particular scene where it's just Ken on his own and he's listening to a race. Yeah. And that's brilliant. And that's like and that's a really good, like smart move in terms of the direction of it. Because at that point in the film, because there's, there's... I will say the film is quite long and it does yeah. feel it a little bit in the middle. Um, but there's like loads of build up and build up and build up and then like getting this car ready getting this car ready and then they go for a race and like you go oh finally a race scene and then they don't show you a race scene instead yeah. they show you a guy listening to a race on a radio but because his performance is so good yeah. and you're so on board with it like you're just listening to it like him and like thinking what he's thinking it doesn't matter and it lets the the strength of the film being his performance shine through they go no it's better now that we just let him do his thing. There's no one else in the room. Yeah. And just let Bale be Bale. And it's like, fuck yeah. me, this guy's so good. And it is, and it also like, it sort of embodies the disappointment as well. Yeah. That it's at that point that he's been dropped in the team. Like, mm. spoiler alert, sorry. Um, but, but yeah, you feel that as well. Yeah. You sort of go, oh. and then he doesn't, go and then his wife turns up which is a really sweet moment but at the same time you're like and there, there's some really interesting like cinematography there as well yeah. like I mean there's a point when you see the silhouettes of the cars yeah go past him in the hangar yeah as if they're all being driven yeah as something goes past outside with the sound of the cars over the uh, over the radio which is a really really visually interesting and like quite yeah. quite emotive moment Sort of seeing that he's in the shadows as opposed yeah. to the of, the of the car. Yeah. But um, yeah, like the direction of this is excellent. It looks amazing. It looks, and it's James Mangold who yeah. has done. He did Logan. He did um, the Wolverine, I think. But he also did like Water the Line. I think was James yeah. Mangold. Um, and yeah, this film looks fucking amazing. Mm. And like particularly the racing scenes are unreal. 
Oh, they're brilliant. Like, they're brilliantly done. And they, he does like... If really... there are visual effects in this, they're done very, very, very subtly. Yeah. Like every crash feels real and it feels dangerous and it feels yeah. fast. And the like, he knows where to put the... Like, it's not just a bird's eye view. He puts the camera in the fucking cockpit. Mm-hmm. Cockpit. You know Wait, I mean? it's cockpit. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is. Um, and... Yeah, and, and it feels like you, you feel along with it and you get really, like, I've never seen, like, there be so much tension in a gear shift. All he is is changing gears, but it's so tense because of the way he shoots it and the way he puts it together. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. Really good. Um, One of the things that I do want to bring up is this saying about that is the sound design. Yeah. So one of the things that I've mentioned to you and one of the things that you've probably heard me talk about before is especially in... In films, it's quite obvious when you know that somebody's being loyal to the way that the car is being driven. Yeah. So you can hear when a car is being driven at speed. You can yeah. hear when a car's being pushed through gears. You can hear when a car is changing up, changing down. That doesn't always align when with what you see on screen. Mm. And you don't always feel the same way. So when a car goes around a corner... A lot of times in films, you see people change up a gear to go around a corner because you think, oh, it must go faster. 95% of the time, like if you're going around a tight corner, you're going to need to downshift. Yeah. But you're also going to need to work the revs. So you're going to need to rev up, drop down, which never happens in a film like, to be honest, some of the Fast and Furious yeah, ones are pretty, are pretty good with it. Um, a lo- like a lot of Mission Impossible ones are pretty bad yeah. for it. Um, but there are like, I think one of the mission, well, what, to be fair, one of the Fast and Furious films, somebody changes gear whilst they're in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, infamous, isn't it? Yeah. I but, um, and then they, there's like a, like the, the 12 gear car in Fast and Furious six or whichever <laughs> one it is. And, um, like people are just smashing through gears and they're like, oh, changing up, changing up, changing up, changing up, changing up. And you're like, you're not. Because I can clearly see that you're just you're, you're downshifting on this and you're doing that. In this, it's really been thought about. Right, okay. There are points when you hear that the car is backfiring or the car is pushing against that gearbox or that the, the gearbox is tired. Um, there are quite a few moments when they talk about brake fade. Yeah. Which they show you by having the discs glow, which is the thing that happens still yeah, to yeah. this day. But the sound that they have in that as well is the sound on metal on metal on a brake yeah. disc. Yeah. And that's the sound that your car will make if you're having brake fade. So much thought has gone into this and the care and attention and detail mm. to the actual racing is so much more important. And there are little moments when you hear like the Shelby Cobra start and you're like, that's definitely a V8. Yeah. Or when you hear the first time that the, the GT40 starts up and you're like, oh, yeah, it didn't have a V8 when it started with. And, you know, and then you first when you first see that it's um, the Lola that first turns up and you're like, fuck, I forgot, I forgot about that. Like, I've read and watched so much about this car, but I forgot that it's a fucking Lola Mark VI, which they do cover up yeah. quite a bit in this. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, we developed this in the UK and brought it here. You didn't. It's a car that existed and you've brought that over to use as the chassis. So it's everything that spawned off of the Mark VI yeah. is where it left from here. But they are, they're pretty honoured to everything. Like everything that you see in there, so you do see the prototype versions of the GT40 from when they go from 
the Lola Mark VI all the way to the race spec LM, yeah. the the LM GT40 that was actually in there in um, 1966. Uh, the Daytona win. Yeah. Yeah, that was in 65, yeah. not in 66. So they've bit yeah, around the timeline like, a little. Yeah, they they have to mess around with the timeline, but then they have to sort of speed things up. Like, they can't... They, if if they're, yeah. like, there's a climax, like, it's building towards something. Yeah. Like, after the Daytona thing, then it's like, well, you can't then hang around for another year of them mm-hmm. fucking about with a car. No, like, exactly. You know I mean? like, and it wasn't Ken that won in Daytona. Oh, really? It was his co-driver. Right. Um... But yeah, so it is this thing, but it is it, the the Ken is the more interesting part of the story. Yeah. Because he was a 45-year-old mechanic from Brum. Yeah. Who didn't really give a fuck who you were. Yeah. He was just really good at driving. Yeah. And pretty much developed this car off of his own back with Carol Shelby behind him. Yeah. Which is how the story is goes and how the story's so amazing. Yeah. But overall, what did genuinely what did you think about it like? Um, yeah, I loved it. I did, I really did. I and but like there were times when I felt like this is this is a film for petrol heads. This is like I would get so much. I can understand that there's people who were getting a lot more out of this than I'm getting out of it. But for me, I think it's the casting of the two guys and the fact yeah. that we've got these two central performances means that it doesn't matter. And the fact that he's so well directed and the the races are thrilling and they are. But the main point of it is that I care about Ken. Yeah, and I care about Shelby and I get and like the little like. Yeah, all that. I like. I'm I'm completely on board with them. So when the racing's come around, they're fucking brilliant to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching them just try and like engineer their way around issues and come up with solutions and yeah, um, yeah. No, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought yeah, like we've talked about how great Bale is. I thought um, Damon equally was great. He was. He's brilliant. just solid, and then he get he gets some real some really good meaty stuff to do. Yeah, he does. Um, which again, he doesn't like what I what's astounding to me about both both their performances is just how sort of I would say kind of like humble they are. Then they're, yeah. they're, they're not movie stars. They're not trying to outdo each other. They're not no. trying to showboat or anything. They're just playing the characters they're playing and doing it, doing honor to these two men who really existed. And there's no bravado or sort of egos in it. Yeah, in their performances, they just do a really fucking good job, and that's <laughs> exemplified in, the, in where they have a fight scene. Yeah. Because it's the crap, it's the worst fight. It's not a shit. Two middle-aged men just like wrestling and like falling, falling over, falling over each other. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, "This is Jason Bourne versus Batman." Yeah, and it's like but uh, Jason they, Bourne versus Batman, John Connor. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, but like they like I said because they've got no like it's the equivalent of like if you watched. Uh, like the rock would never let himself have a fight scene like that no do you know what i mean like they but they don't these guys don't care we got to remember what's the rule in the the fast, oh, the fast and furious they've got to be hit they they've, can, they've got to take the same number of hits as each other yeah they've got to give as much as they get literally for every one punch that they receive they've got to give one punch yeah if that's if the rule jason statham gets thrown through a window so does vin diesel yeah and if if they're in a fight scene together if the rock gets thrown through a wall so does jason statham so does the vin diesel for sake yeah, that's the kind of ego thing that it can end up happening with yeah. these kind of action with someone who's an actor. But like, I suppose these guys have never really been at, although they've been the heads of their own action franchises. Yeah, they've never been action stars. They've no, always no. been actors first. Yeah. Um, and this now that they're both getting older, I guess now it's like their action days are like ten years ago now, and now yeah. they're like just solidly year on year. These guys like Bale always delivers something <laughs> yeah. special every year. Yeah, and. Matt Damon's starting to get that way as well now. 
mm-hmm. he doesn't do a lot, but when he does something, it's pretty, you know, it's like this and the Martian and stuff. Like that. He just yeah. fucking this, kills it. The Martian, we bought a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we bought a zoo. <laughs> Forgot about that. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, no, I genuinely, I thought it was really, really fucking good. Really good film. Good. Yeah, good. No, because I was worried that this was going to be very, very focused towards, like, exclusively towards people that knew what was going I, on. Yeah, there were, like I say, there were times, there were lines and conversations they were having at sometimes where I do feel like I was being excluded slightly. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't enough to put me off the whole thing. It was only yeah. like, like when he came, like there was the time when they got the, um, when they got the, the prototype and he drove it around for the first time. Yeah. And he popped out and goes, oh, it's awful. And this is why, and this is why. And he was got all this, and it was like techno babble. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't know. Is, is that bad? I don't know. Like, but like, I just he says it again. He says it with such conviction, and you know that. Oh yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're right, Ken. Yeah, no, I'm with you, mate. <laughs> Where, wherever you say, mate. Yeah, I'm, that's cool. Yeah, get get some duct tape and some bits and some cotton wool, and let's go sort it out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I love it. I don't know. It was great. I really liked it. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I really did. Like, I I know it's not going to be for everyone, but at the same time, it's a really sort of honourable sort of gift to yeah. sort of the motor racing, the motorsport sort of side of things. Yeah, and, and I, and I would like say... It's less, um, it's less Hollywoodized than Rush. Yeah. So Rush is equally a fascinating story, uh, which is uh, talking about, if you've not seen or heard of it, it talks about a few years sort of rivalry between um, James Hunt and Nicky Lauda, including um, Nicky's accident. Nicky actually passed away this year, unfortunately. Um which is really, really sad because of the legacy that he left in Formula One and motor racing in general. But um, it's a little less Hollywoodized than that. It's a little bit more straightforward. Yeah. It's a little less fast and loose. Yeah. It's a lot of the stuff that happens in this is very traditional. It is very um, sort of that's the way it happened. I yeah. mean, that's literally what happened with the Fiat Ferrari Ford deal. Yeah. Um, except in this, it, makes out that Ford proposed that deal where it was Fiat that, uh, Ferrari that asked the Ford asked Ford um, yeah I mean that there were elements of that where it was a little bit like okay so like like um, John Bernthal's character for instance he's yeah. the marketing guy and like why would they send the marketing guy to make the, to buy something yeah. like make a massive make massive merger. deal yeah. why would they send the guy who's the head of marketing I mean, to go to and to be do fair that? Lee Iacocca did go I'm sure he was there in the room, but he's not the but, one making no. the post. Do you know what I mean? But that's the thing. It's marketing, isn't it? Um, Everyone knows that anyone that works in marketing wants to be the front of house all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, so like that, for example, like I say about like the timeline discrepancy and yeah. Um, one thing that I do want to say sort of to wrap it all up a bit is to mm. talk about Kane's death. Yeah. So um, spoilers. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'm, I'm in two minds about this because I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, obviously. And it had a massive. It was like, had a really big impact in terms of from what just literally going in completely cold 
and just sort of falling in love with the character and like going, I really like this guy in this performance and I know he was a real guy. Yeah. And knowing Bale the way I know, but I know he's done his research and this is probably what the guy was like. Yeah. And he's really endearing and he's great to spend time with. And then this accident happens with his son is there and it's really sad. It's really fucking sad. But if I'd known it was going to happen, I guess it would have been a little bit like the sort of Titanic model, where it's like, it's a tragedy you know is about to happen. And yeah. That sort of, and that's how it would have been for you, I assume. Like yeah. You knew where this is going. Um, it was that but, point that I was like, oh. Yeah. But I would almost say like, if I was to recommend this to someone and like recommend it for people who aren't necessarily, who go, oh, this is about car racing. I'll go, no, trust me. It's a really good film. But I would say to them, don't look into the story beforehand. Mm-hmm. Because it's more impactful not knowing. Yeah. And yeah, and that's how I put it. But at the same time, that's it's like the exact opposite of what I said to people about um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I said if you want to get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you need to know what happened to Shannon Tate. Yeah. And un- research that story first, then go and watch the movie. This I'd say the opposite. Yeah. If you don't know, then it has real like emotional yeah, like it's a gun punch right at the yeah. right at the very end of the movie. Um, but yeah, sorry, gone. But yeah, it's um, one thing about it that it is it is terrible. Nobody really knows what happened. Mm. There are there is all sorts of rumor and speculation around it, and there was a documentary that was put out fairly recently about it that was like anybody that knows Ken that knows that. That was a really easy corner and that he never would have, he would never have failed on that corner. Mm. So it must have been mechanical failure and Ford have come out and said, we can't tell. Like, because Ford literally had their aerospace division going to investigate that because it's such a big deal. Yeah. But there's never really been an answer to it, which is, I think, one of the reasons why it was quickly skated past in the film. Yeah. Um. But one thing that I would like to say that is does make me smile a bit is that there is somebody that works for or worked for Shelby and Ford that's like, oh no, yeah, Ken's still alive. He just lives in Missouri. He just didn't want to be involved in any of this stuff anymore. What? What's this day that someone is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For fuck's sake. Yep. Ugh. Is, so. it, is it the same guy who thinks that um, The Shining was like? Steve uh, Stanley Kubrick admitting that he made the fake the moon landing is it the same bloke probably yeah, yeah. fair enough <laughs> um, but yeah and, and yeah sort of talking about that final sort of part of the film right at the very end it is like really really sad and he's, he, his son has been a character throughout the whole thing and he really loves his dad and really into the racing and understands all the stuff to do with all the mechanics and everything how it all works and they have this scene at the end with um Matt Damon's character with Shelby and his, yeah. and Ken's son, and it's really really nice. It's, it's like it's not overly dramatic. It's like you can yeah, see, but like that's where I was saying like how good Matt Damon is. Yeah, because he's just he's just holding everything back, but you know he's like just like clinging the way he never lets it go. No, he never lets a tear fall. But you can see he's on the he's right on the brink. Yeah, um, and there's such it's so difficult to like maintain that for a scene, but he does it. And it, yeah, it was really fucking good. I will say that then what they then do at the very end like after that, they just sort of chuck a bit of rock music on and he, he like speeds he off down the hallway. And it's off. kind of like, it cheapens it a little bit. 
And I wasn't quite sure how I felt about that. Yeah. Weird, I know you can't really leave it on a down note, but it's a bit of a... I think they could have done something slightly different to yeah. sort of bring it up a little bit. I don't know what it would have been, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, yeah. Uh, I was a little disappointed to see that the film wasn't... Dedicated to him. Dedicated to either him or Carol. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, isn't it? But, but yeah. Uh, but I will say, I think it... I guess it's... It's good that they even included that because if they if they wanted to, they could have ended the film at the at the racetrack at, yeah. at the end of the month. They could have thrown they up could have, the. They literally the, could have. Yeah, it could have been them. Those two, like the you know, Ken putting his arm around Carol and then walking off together, and then the, here come the titles, and then Ford went on to win it three years in a row. Shelby went on to design, and then and you know those sort of like headings of what happened, yeah, yeah. and then just not even talk about it. But the fact they let it play out. Yeah, it sort of it does a better service to him as a person, and lets it actually get, no, this yeah. is what really happened. And so yeah, and, it, and it's good that they still included that and didn't sort of gloss over it entirely. I think yeah. that would have been a real sort of yeah, I agree, travesty. Um, but yeah, as it stands, great film. I expect <coughs> there'll be probably an Oscar nomination. Really, I reckon Bale will probably get nominated for supporting. Yeah, you won't win it. But no. you'll get nominated. Yeah, well, it's Christian Bale gets nominated all the time. Yeah, Christian Bale. It's, it's standard. It's like, it's like him and Gary Oldman. It's like, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be the Oscars if one of them didn't get nominated. Yeah, yeah, Gary Oldman, Christian Bale, and Meryl Streep. Yeah. Like, those, those, are, your, those are your three. Sorry, we've gone off a complete tangent, but we'll talk about, we'll, we'll talk about this another time. Yeah. Um, right, so that's it for Le Mans 66. Thanks for joining us. I would definitely, I would recommend this film. Um, Same. Even if, regardless of your knowledge of the stuff, I think uh-huh. yeah, like I said, if you're a petrol head, you'll get a lot more out of it. If you're not, you know, have no interest in it whatsoever. It's still just a really good film. Yeah, um, and anything where it's based on true stories is always fascinating. I find anyway. Um, so that's that. Coming up now, we've got a couple of things going on. So we're gonna we're gonna go see um, Knives Out. Yes, which looks really good. Um, that is like the Who Done It sort of murder mystery thing directed by Brian Johnson. It's got this amazing cast. Um, and it's been getting like a rave reviews from everywhere. So that we're going to go and see next week and we'll get a review out for that. Um, but then we're also now going to be diving into the grand rewatch of Star Wars. Yes. So we're going to start releasing them um, and it's going to end up being, I think you will be able to listen to one every week and the last one will come out the week that episode nine comes out. That'd be good. I think that, yeah, I think we were all tied up for that. I mean, at the, at the moment, everything's on the track. Excellent. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're watching them in chronological order. <laughs> It's very strange doing it that way. As I've I've recently discovered now that I've we've moved past the prequels. Um so but we will we'll start putting them out. We're doing we're not doing one episode per film. We're just gonna do like we're combining a few things together. Um and I'm sure a lot of people are gonna be re- revisiting the Star yeah. Wars films as the, as the new one's about to come out, so join along with us and let you know, let us know what you think. Obviously there's lots of opinions about Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so that'll be an interesting conversation to have um, in the meantime let us know what you think about any of the stuff that we've been, we've been reviewing let mm-hmm. us know what you think about uh, Le Mans 66 um, you can find us on Twitter on Facebook on Instagram yep. just search for the Oncast and you'll find us um, if you can give us a review on iTunes that'd be really helpful as well mm-hmm. um, just to sort of pump everything up um, and that's pretty much it yep it's pretty much it for this week alright we'll see you later again guys bye bye Um, yeah, I like a Enzo Ferrari in this. Like, like, there are people that are going to watch this and be like, 
who the fuck is Enzo Ferrari other than the guy that came up with Ferrari? That's exactly who Enzo Ferrari was. Yeah. He didn't give a fuck about anything apart from motor racing. And he wore dark glasses all the time. Oh, yeah. Let's try and look up Jack McCullen or McMullen, sorry. He was the single most English man. Oh, that fucking kid. Cool, oh, blimey. Oh, my God. He was the worst. Just, oh, got you a tea, Ken. <clears throat> Hello, it's me, Basil Exposition. You'll have to pass him two times. <laughs> oh, no. His brakes are going down. He's not going to be able to make it. It's the fucking... I, I hated it. Like It's my thing. <laughs> the, the line I always go back to is that Bond will have to go all in to call his bluff. The bit where, like, in Casino Royale, where there's the there's um, Mathis is just stood in the corner explaining the game of poker to the audience. Yeah, and it's like there's always that guy in every movie where there's like something <laughs> goes, oh no, that that means he won't be able to complete the race. It's like, <laughs> or or the guys like in Batman Begins is like, if that thing hits the water, man, the entire city's gonna blow. <laughs> just explaining <laughs> what's gonna happen if this doesn't happen. It's just like Mister Ex- Mixer Exposition. I was like, oh, no, if he pushes the car any harder, it'll explode. Like, so we know. <laughs> shut the fuck up. So I'm just saying what's going to happen. We get it. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, if we don't get him back on the track quick enough, he won't be able to catch up with him. He's, like, we get it. It's, it's, he it's won't, he won't be fast enough to go faster than the other man. It's a race. You win a race by going faster than the <laughs> other person. Like, we know. Fucks. And you'll recognize one of the other drivers. Ben Collins. Is one of the other Ford GT right. or 40 drivers. Okay. <clears throat> ben Collins, uh, formerly the Stig. Oh, shit, okay. He was the one that got sacked for telling everyone he was the Stig. <laughs> <laughs> Better than punching a producer. For a car. <laughs> uh, 